Hey, hey, welcome back to another episode of the Racing with Ryan podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Stevens. This week's episode is presented to you by no one. That's right. Looking for a main sponsorship here on the show. If you're interested, um, please go ahead and get with me and um, I'll get you a good deal. I promise. Um, I need to go ahead and make a Facebook page for this podcast. Um, didn't know if it'd be worth the effort when I started it back up, but uh, man, I, I can't thank you guys enough for listening to the show. The uh, the plays on this thing are blowing my mind. I, I was going to be happy if like, I don't know, I got a hundred views or views, listens, but I mean, I'm getting thousands and I don't know if that's a couple people will click and play and then turning it off, but nonetheless, um, the numbers are very encouraging and it makes me want to continue Doing this for you guys, um, you know, even if there's people that don't listen to every episode, I know there are a few that uh, enjoy when this pops up on their podcast feed or uh, on their Facebook feed. So thank you guys for listening. Um, You know, a sponsorship would definitely help kind of pay for some of the time that it takes to to do this, but it's not not the main goal of the podcast. The the main goal is to, to provide you guys with a little bit of entertainment especially focused on uh, Florida racing and other big, big news topics in in racing in general. Um, You know, I'm a big podcast fan myself, and there's just not many good racing podcasts. Even the, I mean, Dale Jr.'s podcast is is great, but, you know, that's a lot of, um, you know, guests telling stories and and not a whole lot of uh, opinion. Uh, This show, you know, more opinion based on what's going on in Florida racing. So, um obviously uh, different strokes for different folks, but um, from what I gather, you guys really do appreciate the show so far. So I'm going to keep it rolling, sponsor or not. Uh, if you would like to come on board, $5 an episode. Uh, if you want to become like a, a main sponsor and, and pay for a bunch of episodes, we can take care of that as well. So just putting that out there. Um, it's been a couple of weeks since I, I've started an episode with some controversy. And, and I feel like Maybe this week's episode needs a little bit of spice. So I'm going to start with some spice. We're going to talk Snowball Derby. Uh, That's been a big talking point over the last couple of days. Of course, it's a huge race. It's the Daytona 500 of short track racing. Um, You know, everybody that's anybody that cares about short track racing knows about this race. So we'll, we'll talk about that. I was not there, so I'll be giving you my armchair quarterback thoughts. And I did not get a chance to watch the whole race. Um... But I'm going to give you my thoughts because I, I feel like I kept up with it pretty well. Um, I'll give you my thoughts and opinions there. Um, was over at the Auburndale Speedway last Saturday filling in, um, helping them with their Pepsi Championship night. So we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. But again, um, I want to get into some controversy. I had somebody, and I'm not going to I'm not gonna name their name. I, don't, I doubt they listen to this. Uh, if they do, just know that if you send me messages, um, it is subject to be used in my podcast. Um, so I got a private message on Instagram of all things. I don't really use my Instagram all that often. I, I guess I don't use it enough. Um, but I had a message come in and I made a tweet about the Snowball Derby. And if you listened to my episode last week about the Billy Bigley Memorial Race at 417 that I thoroughly enjoyed, um, I made a comment on Twitter about the Snowball Derby. Uh, because I, I know one of the, the big talking points is the contact between Chandler Smith and Derek Thorne for what was at the time the race lead and eventually the move that won the race. Um, so I tweeted because I was I was a little confused here. I, I, I tweeted, so last week you couldn't touch a guy at 417 Speedway 
without a penalty, but the 26 Chandler Smith punted the 43 Derek Thorne out of the lead to win the Snowball Derby. So inconsistent on the calls. And the reason I say that is, well, Ricky Brooks wasn't making the calls. I believe Nicholas was. It's the same team. It's the same team of people, same group doing tech. Um, You know, I I get that Ricky Brooks is going to make different calls than Nicholas, but it's the same team of people. When a week ago you couldn't touch a guy, I mean, when when Nick Neary made contact with Steve Doerr, he was already being called a penalty before things even happened. It was contact. And now this week you can, I mean, obviously muscle a guy out of the way to win the snowball derby. And there's no penalty for as it was happening. This was part of the race that I saw live. I said, wait, you can't, you can't do that. You know, they're not going to let that stand. There's no way they're going to let that stand. After what I saw a week ago with the same group of people. And I say group of people. Let me, let me just emphasize that. I know it's not the same person. It's the same team of people. It's like, you know, NASCAR officials, every team has a NASCAR official in the pits, but they're all held to the same standards. Right? So that's where my mindset is. So, I, I make that tweet because I wanted to know. And, and, and Matt Weaver, and if you're into racing on, on Twitter, you know Matt Weaver. He's a very respected journalist. Uh, he picked up that tweet and, and said, yeah, I'm curious about that too, and, and I'll get more information if I can. And I don't know if he got to the bottom of it or not. I know that Matt had other things to worry about, but it was interesting that the the that other people, you know, realized, oh, hey, he's got a point there. And, and also Matt Weaver pointed out, you know, if not so much the 417 stuff from a week ago, how about a year ago when Steven Nassi in the prolate model race got into Bubba Pollard coming to the checkers uh, and he had the win taken away from him. That was contact coming off turn four on the final lap. It wasn't egregious contact, but it was just as obvious as Chandler Smith's into Derek Thorne. So what's what's the difference? Where's the consistency? So that is why I posted that tweet. So I get a message from somebody and maybe you all will pick up on, on who this is, maybe not. So they retweet that, um, my, my tweet and they covered up my username and put something else up there. And they said, uh, quoting to this tweet. So the 66 shows his displeasure to a car after a race at new Smyrna and the track announcer DQs him, but the 43 car can do the same. And you start defending him on Facebook. So, that is the tweet I got. And I'm not sure where I defended anybody on Facebook. If you go back and listen to my show from last week about 417, uh, a lot of the calls that were made, I disagreed with because I feel like in short track racing, contact is inevitable and it's going to happen. As long as you don't straight drive through somebody, a la Steve Dorr, then I don't feel like a bump and run should be penalized. You spin them out. Well, hey, you know, I'll leave that up to the judgment of the race official. But I don't know where I defended anybody on Facebook other than, you know, asking, you know, why are you allowed to do this after a week ago? You couldn't do this. So, um, and by the way, I, yes, I am the track announcer at New Smyrna Speedway, but I do make, I do not make any decisions on disqualifications. I went back and watched the video of this said incident. And yes, I, right after it happened, I went, oh, and that's going to get the 66 DQ'd because for those of you that don't know, I sit in the same tower as the race director at New Smyrna. I heard the race director on the radio say, that's a DQ for the 66, no points, no money. So I made the call over the PA, 66 is DQ'd. Hey, you want to wreck your stuff after after the race? You want to wreck into another competitor after a race? That's what you get. So um, I believe this person misunderstood or doesn't understand how 
um, you know, a night at the races work as far as the officials go. Uh, I am not an official. That's why I wear the blue NASCAR home track shirt and not an official shirt. I don't want to be an official. Um, but at the same time, I am to an extent allowed to have an opinion. So if something stupid happens on the racetrack, yeah, I might call somebody out. You know, if somebody makes a bonehead move, I might call them a bonehead, but it's not a, um, man, it, it, there, there's a difference between uh, PA announcer being entertaining and, and, and commenting on things versus, you know, me just calling you an idiot. It's, it's two different things. But, but yes, there are some things that I do say for entertainment. Like, I might pick on a guy for spinning out four times in a race because, you know, it might get a laugh out of the crowd. They, they deserve to be entertained. So let me just set that precedent as well. But, you know, the, the, the incident this person that messaged me was referring to is when Jerry Simons uh, lost a race and was not happy with Tim Moore. And after the race, it was a great race. It was the best modified race of the entire season. He goes and he monster trucks over Timmy Moore on the back straightaway. And, you know, the call was made. DQ on the 66. So I set it over the PA and he's accusing me of being the one to DQ somebody. No, I just announced it, bud. I just announced it. So I reply. And, and yes, I did reply to this person because I was caught. I was taken aback. I was caught off guard. And I said, do you even know what you're talking about? So many things wrong with your statement. And he replies, well, I'm just saying someone threw the 66 out after him showing some displeasure after the race, just like the 43. And he's talking about after the race, Derek Thorne, obviously upset. He lost the snowball derby. I was going for a perfect weekend after winning the, the snowflake. And, and he made some aggressive moves. It was less aggressive than what Danny Hamlin did to Alex Bowman at Martinsville. So, I mean, yeah, yeah, you know, but I, he, he never really hit him. He didn't ramp over the back of his car. He didn't make significant contact or do any damage to either of the cars. So sure, frustration was shown. I'll give you that. But it wasn't egregious, in my opinion, or to anybody calling the race over at Five Flags. So I reply, did you watch the Snowball Derby? Do you even know what my post is in reference to? You know I don't make the disqualification calls, right? Because his you know, response to my post was comparing a race that I just saw being officiated by the same team to another race a week apart. Not anything having to do with New Smyrna Speedway or any disqualification call. Um, Comparing DQ, I'm just, I was comparing what I saw one week to the next from the same team and questioning it. Nothing to do with anything that happened at the New Smyrna Speedway. So he replies, um, I saw the Derby in person, and I seen what the 26 did, and I personally don't find anything wrong with it, but that's aside the point. I also seen the 43 showing his displeasure to the 26, kind of like the 66 showing his displeasure to the 15 after the race. The biggest difference is no race car was destroyed. And now we're, we're talking about the new Smyrna Speedway race director versus Nicholas or, or Ricky Brooks or that team. Because Nicholas works for Ricky. That's, they're a team, okay? Ralph Miller makes the calls at New Smyrna. He has nothing to do with Ricky Brooks's team. Completely separate entities here, okay? Um, and then I respond with, when did I ever say anything about post-race? I was comparing officiating calls from the same team in two different races. Apparently, you're hung up on something that happened months ago that I had nothing to do with other than announcing the outcome. And I said, it's time to get over it. I mean, I, I had to scroll. I couldn't remember when this race was. It was months and months and months ago, and it seems like they're still hung up on a call. It, that was nothing but that driver's fault. Uh, they reply with, I've gotten, I've gotten over it. Uh, 
find it funny how you are the first one I hear it from over the speakers. Yes, because I'm the announcers. You're the only one. I, I'm the only one you're going to hear over the speakers unless I have a guest. So he, again, he, he says, I find it funny that you're the, you're the first one I hear it from over the speakers, that the 66 is DQ'd, but all I got to say about it is different tracks and different officials making calls. So it's hard to be consistent. And even at the same track, it's almost never consistent. And maybe he does strike a point there. Sometimes uh, a call is made one week and missed the next. I, I, there is an element of human error to calling a race, to being an official. So yes, uh, very true statement. Very, very true. I'll give you that. But to try to take a post that I made and besmirch my name because of something that happened months ago that I had absolutely nothing to do with is the reason I got upset about, you know, the message that I received. If he would have said something like, oh, well, I've seen something similar at New Smyrna and nothing happened, uh, you know, I, you know, okay, tongue-in-cheek, I'll let that go. But if you want to come into my DMs and, and call me out for a call that I had nothing to do with, I just made the announcement over the PA because that is my job. So I just did my job. Um, and then he goes... I'll do you a favor and take the story down as if as if he had any reason to put it up to begin with. And he, But he did do me a favor, guys. He did me a favor and took it down. Um, and he says, just a tip to any announcer, uh, neutral, even if you see something that's BS, don't pick any favorites, don't be biased. That's for the fans to do. And here's the thing. I, I call it like I see it, but I am completely unbiased when I'm on the microphone. Um you know, sure, I might bring up things that happened in the past, but I my job is to tell a story. And at New Smyrna, we get people that are on vacation a lot that come to the track, like, for the first time. I like to set the story. I like to say, hey, you know, a few months ago, look at the, the Spears and, and Bobby Holly situation during the LKQ Superstock season. Bobby Holly's team didn't like that I talked about it. Too damn bad. That is my job. So, yes, if there is a story, I am going to build it up. I am going to tell it. And, yes, I'm going to be fair about it. There was wrongdoing on both sides in the Spears-Holly thing. And there's, you know, what I saw at the end of a great modified race with Jerry Simons going over the back of Timmy Moore, I thought it was uncalled for. Still love Jerry Simons. Um, I, I think Jerry Simons feels that I don't because one time I was doing a live pit thing and a car was driving up beside me and I filmed his car and didn't get all of Jerry's car and he thought I was... I hate that stuff, guys. I... I I really, I really try, but just because I, I miss your car one time or, 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 you know, don't wave at you the right way, it doesn't mean I don't like you. It really doesn't. Uh, I'm only human. Um, some days I like to walk around the racetrack and, and make my notes and keep to myself. Uh, some days I like to leave you guys alone because you're trying to work on race cars and, you know, uh, it's just, it, it's funny. Um, it, you know, yeah, I, I, I may be more likely to hang out and, and drink a beer after the race with, you know, one one group of people. Well, that's because after the races, I get a beer and I hang out by the bar. That's where I hang out. So the people that come up there to hang out, uh, yeah, you might see me with them. But that doesn't mean I if I was invited over to Jerry's pit, I'd go have a beer with Jerry Simons. I'd go have a beer with Bobby Holly. I'll go have a beer with David LeBeau. I'll go have it. I'll go have a beer with Charles King, you know? I'll go have a beer with Eric Kotwitz. It it doesn't matter. Um, it, I'm 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 really hitting the reset button. If if I've had any uh, disagreements with anybody in the past, it, I'm 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 over it. You're you have your opinion, I have mine, and and that's it's good. It's good. You don't have to like me, 
Uh, but I, I, I feel indifferent. Um, I, man, it just kind of funny, uh, this person trying to tell me to be unbiased when, uh, I'll, I'll tell you, I, I may have my opinions. Okay. And, and I'm entitled to that. I'm a human being. I, I do have, I do have my own independent thoughts. Um, but I, when I go on that microphone, I will be unbiased and I give everybody the benefit of the doubt until I do something stupid and I may call you out for it in that moment. And then it's right back to the same level playing field uh, when I'm on that microphone. I can promise you that. Now, on this podcast, I might go a little deeper into some stuff that I see. Um, it's, it's just like criticizing the calls at 417 Speedway. Still, think think everything of Ricky Brooks. I, I think the job that he did in tech this week, fantastic. He made sure that the Daytona 500 or short track racing was done fairly. And everybody was legal. And yeah, you know, does it take away from the race? Sure, it can if you look at it that way. But if you're just here to enjoy the race, when the pay-per-view broadcast goes off the air, turn it off and stay the hell off Twitter. You don't have to worry about it. Enjoy the racing. I mean, I've seen a lot of great races. There was a, a hell of a super late model race a couple of years ago during Speed Weeks, and there was a DQ due to an Oberg violation in the fuel cell. And one of the best things that Kim Brown ever said after a night like that was, Let's not focus on tech. Let's remember what a great race we saw because that's what we're here. That's what we're paying for. Ain't nobody paying for tech. So the only reason it's a big deal is because you got the media on there. We're tech and this. We're tech and this. Tech, 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 tech. If you don't like it, if that's the thing you enjoy, pay attention to it. If you don't enjoy it, turn it the hell off and go do something else. The race is over in your mind. Who cares? You know, but they have to, they have to do tech for that race. So anyways, um, I'll I'll apologize right now if I've ever uh, sounded unbiased. Um, You know, yeah, I I praise some people who do well. Yeah, I criticize some people who do boneheaded things, but it doesn't mean that I won't give you that same respect of the shoes on the other foot. So I reply back with, you do realize the race director sits right behind me and said the 66 is disqualified as it happens. So that's why I said it over the PA. That's how that works. As far as my post goes, I was not being biased in any way, shape, or form. I was questioning consistency of the officiating crew that called both the race at 417 and the Snowball Derby. It has nothing to do with New Smyrna Speedway and not meant to show any disrespect. So I am not exactly sure why you decided to accuse me of such. Uh, if you actually knew me, you would know that. At the same time, I'm entitled to have opinions too. And that's where, you know, there was another reply to that, but I, it was not relative to the story here. But um, I, I just found that to be a very interesting way to spend the afternoon to be accused of something like that because of a Twitter post that I made that had nothing to do with what he was getting at. So I am sorry if anything I've ever said over the PA has stuck with you that much to where you think that I had anything to do with it or you think that I'm just some evil guy. Um, you know, I may have had a harsh opinion about something at one time, but that's the, I, I also, with this podcast... Uh, with some of the other things that I do with telling stories, yeah, I guess you could say I kind of am a journalist too. So I kind of have to, you know, put things into perspective from time to time. That's part of the job. That's part of what I signed up for. Um, If you want, I can be that announcer who shows up at six o'clock, doesn't walk through the pits, doesn't keep up with any storylines, doesn't get to know your name, doesn't get to learn anything about you, and just call a race and be boring as hell. I could be that if you want. It's a hell of a lot easier on my feet. Um, it's, It's a hell of a lot easier on my mind. But that's not what I got into this for. I got into it for the whole perspective. So 
that's uh, that's that. Thank you for listening to that. I hope you found some enjoyment out of that controversy. And uh, Jerry Simons, look forward to uh, seeing you next year. Um, you know, I, I have no no issue with Jerry Simons. I I, I just don't know where this uh, where this is coming from. And by the way, that was not Jerry Simons that sent me the message. I'll make that clear as well. Um, I don't even think Jerry uses social media. So um, with that said, uh, you know, talked a little bit about the snowball in that rant there or in, in that, uh, in that segment. But of course the, the snowball derby, um, was this weekend and it was a crazy weekend. I, you know, I didn't get to go there. I, I know uh, a lot of the track was there, um, with, with the way speed weeks, you know, I need nine days off for speed weeks. Um, I took time off, uh, with the birth of my daughter this summer. Um, honestly, I didn't really have the time. I probably could have went up there for like Saturday, Sunday, but other than that, I really didn't have the time to take the whole week to, to go up there and be part of it. And it just wasn't in the cards. One of these years, when the kids are a little bit older, you know, maybe we'll rent a camper and we'll go do the experience. It's definitely something that I want to do, but it's, you know, wasn't, this isn't the year. Um, uh, one of the craziest things, the, the, the biggest thing that I think a lot of people will remember from this year's, uh, snowball week is that crazy flip. Uh, we talked about on the last podcast when the, the 38, um, was it Hunter, I believe, uh, rolled over, hit the wall with the roof of his car. I mean, just so miraculous that he wasn't hurt worse. Uh, very thankful that he was not injured. Uh, that, that could have killed him. That could have killed him. He could have killed spectators, you know, kudos to five flag speedway for having good safety equipment and a good safety response team. Kudos to the team that built the truck. Uh, to have it be able to, even though it was crushed, uh, withstand the impact and keep the driver relatively safe. Um, but I talked to a lot of you guys know Frank. Uh, Frank and Holly were up there, and they were sitting right there in turn one in the front row. And uh, Frank said it was one of those final destination, final destination moments. He looks up and he's like, "Whoa, that truck is out of shape." And then he looked over at Holly, looked over at the track again, saw the roof of that truck coming right at him, and just went. and And he says he he threw his body over Holly and got just covered in bits of, of you know, tire rubber from the uh, outer groove of the track, uh, the marbles, if you will. He got covered with with uh, concrete because the part of the wall did break and sparks. And he said it was it was like being in the movie Final Destination. And he's like, I, I don't know if that means I got something else coming to me or what, but that's a first-hand uh, account from somebody that was sitting right there with that truck coming right into their lap. So if... Uh, if a racetrack ever cuts corners on safety to save a few bucks, just remember that uh, that that safety upgrade that you made um, could save a few lives. And uh, man, I got to hand it to Five Flag Speedway. You never really think about a car getting in the catch fence, but man, it just tells you with, with a vehicle going that fast, anything is possible. I mean, we don't normally think of blowovers or, or grip flips like that in short track racing, but man, I'm telling you, you get a car moving at any kind of significant speed and it don't take much to get out of control and have a big moment. So very, very lucky there. Uh, glad uh, Frank and Holly are okay for sure. And uh, what a what a wild experience uh, for them to, to have. I think they got a little more than they bargained for in their snowball experience, but uh, thankfully nobody was hurt. And uh, that'll be one of those moments that you'll see on YouTube and they'll talk about for years and years to come. Um, I, I don't even remember... Oh, actually, I do remember Gavin Graham won the race, and I've called his Legends car races over at Auburndale before, so that was kind of cool. Definitely, definitely cool. One of the things I love about this business is, you know, you see these kids or you see these drivers at your local track or tracks around the state, and, you know, maybe the name sticks with you, maybe it doesn't, but then you see them 
a couple of years down the road doing other things and it's like, holy cow, I remember when you were in Legends cars or for me it's, I remember when you were in quarter midgets and I, I love it. I, or, or sometimes it's just like, man, I remember when that guy would come race speed weeks and now here he is racing NASCAR a la Harrison Burton. Um, I'd kind of move on here through the, the rest of the snowball week. Um, I didn't watch as much of it throughout the week as I wanted. I really wanted to watch the outlaw race, but uh, you know, the sportsman, if you will. Um, but I was at, um, I was at Auburndale, so I missed out on that. I know Daniel Webster had a pretty cool-looking race car. Um, I know Cody Stickler won the modified race. So Florida was well, you know, our regional Florida was well represented and, and did a good job out there. Um, but to focus mostly here on the Snowball Derby, um, real quick, Snowflake was won by Derek Thorny, led every lap, so not a whole lot really happened there. Uh, but congratulations to him. He won the pole for both the Snowflake and the Snowball and just about won them both. Um talking about the actual snowball derby now i'm looking at the list of drivers who did not qualify and we got quite a few of our you know more well-known florida guys which is kind of disappointing to see brad may didn't make it he was like three spots out in qualifying just didn't have a good last chance race michael atwell michael hine didn't make it unfortunately and then you have some other names paul schaefer jr he's a good little hot shoe he kind of looking like robert plant right now but um, he didn't make it. Kyle Bryant didn't. Boris Jerkovic didn't make it. Uh, Cassius Clark, he's a driver that's come down for Speed Weeks. Um, the Canadian, he didn't make it. And John DeAngelis, who, who's no, uh, known for winning some big races, he didn't make it. So, I mean, that tells you how stacked the field was. Um, in the actual race, some big names that had a rough night included Jeff Chiquette, Jet Nolan, Jesse Love, Daniel Dye. They were all involved in the incidents. Really, only big incident on lap 26, uh, I guess Daniel Dye took the heat for it. I didn't see this part of the race. Um, I'll let you know a little secret. Uh, I was planning to sit around and watch the race and watch football and relax on Sunday, but my mom called me Saturday night after Auburndale and, and asked if I could come help her with some Christmas lights. And with uh, all the things my mom does for me and my family, I can't I can't deny her a you know a good Christmas and helping her with the, the outside decorations because it it warms her heart. So that's important to me, uh, family. You know, it will take. Uh, it will take me away from watching a, uh, a race on TV. I can tell you that much. So, um, I missed this part of it while I was helping with that, but, uh, got the lowdown from Margo who was in watching, um, Daniel Dye and Jet Nolan making a little bit of contact. I'm not placing blame cause I really haven't, I haven't taken time to analyze the incident, but there was contact and, uh, Jeff Chiquette, Jet Nolan, Jesse Love, Daniel Dye, um, there were a couple others that got some damage in there too, but those are the ones that got the worst of it. I mean, those are all drivers that would have contended for the win at the Governor's Cup, and they all got kind of shortened out in their race here during the snowball. So some good contenders taken out early on lap 26, 27 there in the snowball. And really, that was the biggest wreck. That was the biggest moment. Really, the the next big moment to talk about is um, the restart. Uh, with about 14, 15 laps to go, I guess it was. And and Chandler Smith made the move where he got into Derek Thorne going into turn number three, obvious contact, basically picked the wheels of Derek Thorne off the ground. At this point, Derek Thorne had led 287 laps. That is all the laps. This is the only lead change in the entire race. And, um, you know, that, that's why it, it only pays to win the last or to, to lead the last lap. So, um, yes, contact here. And yes, I made a post about, you know, why you couldn't do that a week ago, but you could this week. I get it. It's a whole different race. And by the way, I'm not criticizing the move. I, if you read the article from Matt Weaver about 
what Chandler Smith said, he felt like that was his only shot. There, he felt like they were arrow racing, and that's true. There's a lot of arrow that comes into play with the Super Lates. I mean, look at the racing at New Smyrna. It's the same deal. It's hard to pass, man. It is hard to pass. And obviously Chandler Smith knew that, and he knew, okay, I've got an opportunity. I either take it or I'm not going to win the Snowball Derby. So what's the point? Um, so yeah, Derek Thorne makes some contact with Chan- or I'm sorry, Chandler Smith makes contact with Derek Thorne, and Chandler Smith is able to run away. Ca- uh, race goes caution-free from that point. Chandler Smith uh, leads the final 13 laps, makes it through the room of doom. There are no disqualifications. You'll love to see that. And uh, Chandler Smith's a winner. I feel like he was going to win the Governor's Cup too until a little bit of contact with his teammate, Sammy Smith, caused him to spin. Then they had some mechanical problems, and that was it. Um, but what a uh, last month or so for Donnie Wilson Racing. Chandler Smith wins the Snowball. Sammy Smith wins Governor's Cup and finishes fifth at the Snowball. So Donnie Wilson Racing right now is on their game. Uh, I hope they come to Speed Weeks in some way, shape, or form. Love to have them at the Red Eye. Um, very competitive team on the top of their game right now. And, and again, yes, I was critical about the officiating and why, you know, a, a week ago that would have been a, a you sent the guy to the back, you black flag him. But this week he wins the race. And I don't see anything wrong with the move. If you go back and listen to the 417 episode um, or you saw my Facebook from, from that race, you know, I was like, why are they black flagging this poor guy in the last chance race who is now not going to qualify because he made some contact with a guy who was all over the place? I don't, I, I disagreed with the calls, so I agree with the move. I, I think you do what you got to do. And he said to himself, hey, we're arrow racing, and uh, clean air is king. Chandler Smith knew that, took advantage of it, took advantage of the bumper, had his opportunity, and took it. And guess what? He takes home the snowball win. Short track racing, man. Again, if you don't want contact, go watch F1. If you want strategy and, you know, you know, 12 cars or whatever running around a road course not doing anything – uh, F1, I guess. I, I I don't know what to tell you. I mean, you and, and some people are going to be the complete opposite. Like, oh, it was, it was a great call to let it stand. Or it was a bad call to let it stand. You know, you shouldn't do the bump and run. So I put out a, um, I, I put out a, a question, kind of like uh, Jeff Gluck does on Twitter. I put out a, a poll, or not a poll, but a question. Uh, was the Snowball Derby a good race? And got some responses here that I want to read. Uh, Robert Howell says, I didn't watch it, but from what it sounded like, it was boring. Uh, I like lead changes. Yeah, there's only one in the whole race. Then Daniel uh, Vining responds to that. I was there, and while there was not many lead changes, there's a ton of passing. There is more to a race than the leader. And I'll agree with that. Some races, some guy hits the setup, pulls away in the best battle. I mean, the Red Eye, uh, I'm sorry, the Pro Late Race at Governor's Cup, great example of this. The lead wasn't, the battle wasn't for the lead. It was watching Michael Hine try to pass everybody. So, you know, I, and I, I, I will, I will agree with both sides of that. You love to see lead changes, but you also love to see some good side by side racing. And uh, there was definitely that in the race. It was a great field of cars. Thirty seven started, some fifty whatever attempted to make the race. So, definitely can't complain about that. Uh, Mark Kemick says it was okay. Uh, Kenny Roth says I heard there was a dump and run. David Gould replies to that and says, "Did you mean bump and run?" Um, and then James Harvey says, no dump, but he did move him. Uh, Jake Wilson, who's at the Snowball working, uh, working the trackside live there for Hype Motorsports. Uh, plenty of passes throughout the field, comers and goers, even though the lead only changed once. Definitely a good point there. Uh, Chuck Ayers says, very good race, but kind of boring. Jet Nolan's interview was harsh, and that was Jack criticizing Daniel Dye, from what I understand there. Uh, Jeff Cuddy says, 
We had three 75-lap segments that went caution-free. Last 15 laps was the best part of the race. And, yes, they had those competition cautions to help save teams from paying buco bucks to, to get the cup teams down there, which you don't really need. Um, so I, I do like the competition caution thing. Yeah, yeah, tweet me. Um, Eugene Tuminello feels like it was a decent race. If we didn't have the wreck in turn one, I think everyone would have raced hard from the start and not take it so easy. There's good racing in the back middle of the pack. Uh, Teresa Benick says, I think so. Just because there's not lead changes doesn't mean there's not racing and good passing throughout the field. Often the remainder of the field gets neglected and sometimes boring or for the sometimes boring pack up at the front. And again, mid to back of the pack often provides some of the best racing and stories. Yeah. And we've seen that over the years at every track, uh, Tyler Pernesti says the Bigley race was definitely more exciting and intense. I'll agree. And maybe that's just biased because I was at the Bigley race, but I don't know. I saw a lot of great racing and a lot of drama at the Bigley race. This, this race, the drama was, you know, the last couple of laps. But I guess drama is drama is drama, right? Uh, Jason Ferreira. I like the 75 lap mandatory cautions. My heart breaks for Derek Thorne. If the winner came out and acknowledged the fact that he moved Thorne a little harder than he anticipated, I think, uh, I think there wouldn't be so much grief on it. Uh, not the way you want to win a race, but at some point, uh, he did get out front and, uh, took the hell off. They, oh, he, he took the hell off once he got out in front. Absolutely. Uh, Robbie Harvey, the announcer over at, uh, Five Flags says, thought it was decent. It was fun to watch Nassie and Smith come from the back. Yeah. And that's, that's what's so great about, uh, the snowball derby field. You have good cars, front, back, middle, comers and goers, strategy, even with the competition cautions, um, that definitely makes it fun. It's fun to kind of pick a guy from the back and, and see how they progress. That's that's a fun way to watch a race. Uh, Travis Wilson, super late, modified driver, says, boring until the last caution, even though... Um, I'm sorry. Boring until the last caution, and even then pretty boring after the bump and run on the restart. Yeah, once the bump and run happened, that was it. That, that was pretty much it. They scrambled for position, got single file, and that was it. Um, somebody asked how my car did. We, we didn't qualify. We didn't have the funds to make it, unfortunately. Um, Brian West says, yes, good race. Not a fan of the controlled yellows. Uh, Margo says it was a good race. If you watch the entire field, not just lead changes, I'm not a huge fan of the controlled cautions, but that's because I like live pit stops and having to see strategy. They did set up for some interesting restarts though. Also Chandler Smith did what anybody would have done to win the snowball derby agreed. And I don't, and I'm uh, sorry. And I don't want to see anyone who says otherwise cheer when the local driver they hate gets taken out. He moved Thorn, and nobody had torn up race cars. Hell, some people should take notes. Of course, Margo had to get a little Margo jab in there, of course. Um, Tristan uh, Hamili says, very well put. They are paid to win. Now go do it. Uh, Jimmy Pauline Ross says, no, it was not a good race. That's it, just no. Uh, Daniel Vining, yes, it was a good race. It was a great, was, sorry, getting ahead of myself. Daniel says, yes, it was a good race. Was it a great race? Perhaps not. It was not by any stretch a bad race. So there you go. I, I, I think that about sums it up. Um, I mean, look at the look at the Governor's Cup this year. You can almost say the same thing. You know, there wasn't much passing for the lead. Again, we had one lead change in that race. It was a significant one at halfway. Um, you know, Governor's Cup, it had a couple of spins, had a couple of crashes. Nothing like super crazy. You know, nobody flying into the catch fence. But same with this race. It was rather calm you had the one big incident early in the race and it was rather calm um it shows that right now super late model racing is very error dependent the drivers despite what some may say about each other race each other pretty well they 
respect each other for the most part. But again, a short track racing contact is inevitable. It's going to happen. People are going to get mad. Um, but I think if you look at, obviously, comparing Governor's Cup to Snowball, you know, you have a lot more people in the field at Governor's Cup. You have a whole different cast of characters. Um, but the two races were rather similar, if you think about it. Uh, clean air was king. Aerodynamics came into play. Um, hard to pass. You really had to set somebody up or nudge them a little bit, get them out of the groove to pass. So that's kind of where we're at with the Superlates, and it'll be glaring during the World Series. And I'm not saying that the World Series is going to be bad racing by any means. You, the World Series, those 35-lap shootouts, you got to go. And if you want to win the championship, you got to go every single night. But you'll see, you know, nine nights of racing. The Superlates, I think, race seven times. Uh, they do have a couple hundred lappers this year. We're making up some of those marquee events from last year. So there'll be a little bit uh, more racing to be had this year. But you'll, you'll see a trend. Um, probably you'll, you'll see it in the Supers and Pros. The Tour Mods are... <laughs> Tour mods are in a league of their own. Those things race fantastically. Those big old tires, man. Um, but yeah, you'll see the aerodynamics come to play. You'll see uh, the outside lane typically get the jump. Then things get single file, and you can't really make a pass unless somebody screws up. And, and if you don't believe me, watch all the racing from Speed Weeks, and you'll see what I mean. It doesn't mean it's going to be bad. It does not mean it's going to be bad. It just means it's qualifying the invert, um, what happens in front of you, uh, what happens on restarts. It's all going to be very crucial. So... You know, winning the race might not just be who has the fastest cards, who has the best restart, who has the best lane, who has the best luck with the invert, and who can stay out of trouble. So we have that to look forward to. And I'm not saying there's a problem with the way super late model racing uh, is right now. I know that it has been engineered into something far different from what it used to be. You know, these cars are so technical. Um, because you get these, these smart engineers that work for these teams that figure out what makes a car go fast and getting a car to go fast isn't usually what makes for the best racing. It's when they're, I love when a car is off the ground, moving around, dancing, bobbing and weaving out of control, but in control at the same time, uh, moving around, you can move different lines and you can make passes. If you're faster, that's God is why I love the bombers, the fast cars, you can put them in the back. They'll make their way to the front. You can pass. You can race each other. Um, I get it. A bomber is not a technical machine. I mean, as technical a machine. I know they they put the hard work into those bomber cars. Super stocks are another good example. Um, you know, yeah, there's a lot engineered into those things as well with the setups and what they can do with springs and this and that. But, man, I, I just love watching those things dig. Super lights right now, they're planted on the ground. They have those, you know, I, I think they're on... God, yeah, they're on bump stops after talking to Anthony Sergi. The trucks are going to bump stops this year. Um, but yeah, they're, you know, they, they have the setups where they're in the ground, maximum downforce, and clean air. Because even though we're talking short tracks, especially Five Flags and New Smyrna with the, the half-mile setups there, um, you know, your, your aerodynamics does come into play. Why do you think the sportsman cars have gotten so crazy looking? Aerodynamics matters. Hell, even at the smaller tracks, it does matter. So, uh, you know, I think we, we've en- engineered ourselves into this corner a little bit as far as it being tough to pass. But if you go look at the results, you know, the man who started second finished first, the man who started first finished second. So not much mixing up there, but Cole Butcher finished third, started 17th. Ryan Priest, who built the car in a month to go race the snowball, he finished fourth. He started 12th. Sammy Smith started 20th, finished fifth. Hunter Robbins finished sixth, started seventh. Carson Hosevar started 35th and finished 7th. Steven Nassi, 28th. They had motor problems. Um, but they started 28th and finished 8th. So you can pass. But 
when things get strung out and clean air comes into play, it is hard to do so. I bet a lot a lot of Steven Nancy's passes ha- happen on restarts. It's you know, it's like the old NASCAR days on a restart, get every spot you can because it's the easiest spot to pass. So um it's just a, a an observation that I've made and I remember it was my first or second speed weeks talking to Harrison Burton. I think it was like night six or seven or eight. And, you know, I'd started to pick up up on how hard it was to pass out there. And, and again, some of that speaks to how close these cars are together. Um, you know, if all the cars are running the same speed, obviously it's going to be hard to pass. Uh, but I, I was just asking him, I'm like, hey, man, what? why is it so tough to pass out here? And he's like, man, these cars are just, you know, the way the way they're set up, everybody's so close. Um, you got to get a good run on somebody to get by them. And so, I mean, this isn't a new, uh, quote unquote problem. It's, it's not a new thing. It's been happening for a long time with late model roles have been relatively the same, uh, since I've really gotten into the business here. So, and yes, I know some of you are probably listening. You don't know what you're talking about. You don't know jack shit about cars. Well, I, I, I know enough to observe in, and make comments, even though I don't understand the technical intricacies of what goes into these cars. I, I can tell you that because they are, such technical marvels these days that that does play a role in what we're seeing. So, anyways, uh, that's about as technical as I can get. And, uh, you know, congratulations to Chandler Smith. What a great, you know, last month of the year for him. He won the finale for the NASCAR trucks at Phoenix. Uh, set fast time at Governor's Cup. Should have, could have, would have won that race and then comes back to the snowball and wins it. And um, that should, you know, give him some momentum going into his next season. I believe he's back full-time in the trucks. And, you know, I wasn't too crazy about the way that he got his first truck win. I think there was some gamesmanship being played amongst teammates to get Chandler into the playoffs uh, between he and Nemechek. But teams will play games. They will do what they got to do, right? I, I felt like, and, and I'm not putting this on Chandler Smith. I'm putting it on the team. Um, there was a little bit of race manipulation going on to benefit the entire team as a whole. But I guess, hey, what are teammates for, Right. Uh, but when he got that win at Phoenix, after being eliminated from the playoffs, and he got the win at Phoenix, and he straight up earned that win, I was like, all right, good. That one I feel way better about. And then uh, I was very excited because that was about the same day he registered for Governor's Cup. So uh, that made it really cool to promote, hey, the most recent Truck Series winners are coming to Governor's Cup. And then he wins the Snowball Derby. Can never take it away from him. What a, what a great end to 2021 for Chandler Smith and, and Donnie Wilson Racing as a whole. Uh, Sammy Smith won Governor's Cup, finished fifth, like I said. Um, congrats to that team. Uh, and I hope we see him for Speed Weeks. I really do. Even if uh, Chandler Smith isn't racing, hopefully at least uh, Sammy Smith comes over and maybe a couple other Donnie Wilson cars. I know they had Will Cox last year in the Pro Lates. Not sure what's going on with him. But um, anyways, with that said, I'll give you my final thoughts on the Snowball Derby. Uh, if you're looking for a Crash Fest Demolition Derby, you know, rec reel type race well you're probably disappointed um i think it was an overall good i I think the snowball derby weekend no matter how you spend it is always a good weekend but i I said this race was good overall um you know it did have controversy during and after the race um people are still talking about it um you have as with anything these days everybody's split you either love it or you hate it and I think it was a good race. Um, you know, hell, it wasn't the craziest finished. It wasn't, you know, cars upside down on fire coming across the line. Um, but it was a good race. And, and I think I'm just kind of looking here, and it looks like uh, the 24th place finisher, Jeff Storm, 
was five laps down. Uh, so I'm not sure. Mason Diaz was 25 laps down. I'm not sure if those guys even finished, but um, a good chunk of the field, 24 to the 37 starters at least finished uh, 295 of the 300 laps. So good to see that attrition wasn't so big in this race versus the last couple of races that we've seen. So um, I'll give it a, I'll give it an extra point for that. So again, congratulations to Chandler Smith, uh, Derek Thorne, man. Uh, if, if he shows up to, to your local track at any time, just count him in for being a contender. Love to see him at New Smyrna, but I know they're from the, uh, from the West coast and it may not make sense for them to, uh, to come over here, but I'd love to have him. Would definitely add to the show for sure. Uh, Cole Butcher is another guy that uh, I don't know too much about, but, uh, he had a good run. Ryan Priest being told you can see that late model during speed weeks this year. I know we'll have the modified there too. So if you're a Ryan Priest fan, you'll get even more Ryan Priest this year. Uh, Sammy Smith, uh, he, he's been he, he's fantastic at New Smyrna. So if they do come for anything at New Smyrna, expect Sammy Smith to be good. Um, Stephen Nassi told me after uh, Governor's Cup that he plans to run some of Speed Weeks. Uh, I'm not sure if he's going to do all of Speed Weeks, but um, expect to see the 51 there. Remember last year he ran all but one race and still uh, finished way up in the points. So Stephen will be good. Um, Eric Jones talked to his spotter Brandon Lyons on Facebook yesterday. And they are planning to run some of Speed Weeks. Obviously, Eric Jones will be running the 43 car for um, Petty GMS Motorsports this year. So their main focus will be up in Daytona, but they said they're going to bring the car out and race on some select nights during Speed Weeks. So great to see Eric Jones. Great to see, you know, some of these guys getting back into late model racing, into the short track stuff again. I, I, I think, you know... Racing the cup stuff, it, it can weigh heavy on you. There's a lot of stress. So I think some of these guys that have the means to do it are starting to put these late model programs or, or sprint car programs like Kyle Larson and modified programs like Ryan Priest and uh, getting back into the, the the fun of it. Not to say that NASCAR racing isn't fun, but it's, I mean, it's like being an NFL head coach. You think those guys are having fun on the sideline? Uh, they love what they do, but man, that is a stressful job. What a stressful life, so... It's great to see these guys coming out to have a little bit more fun. So um, real quick on Speed Weeks, uh, I silently opened registrations. I'm going to start pumping it up uh, heavy here soon. I already have four tour mods, a Pro Late, and a Bomber registered in less than 24 hours. Uh, the Catalano family have registered four tour mods, and they're missing one of the Catalanas who I'm imagining is going to register with Tommy Baldwin Racing. So... Uh, there may be even be a fifth Catalano before all said and done. Um, obviously, uh, talking entries for the World Series portion of things, NASCAR will handle the entries for the Wheel and Tour race, so we'll get the entry list from them. Um, Chase Johnson registered a pro late. Um, you know, I, I I don't know if car counts will be quite as high as they were last year. I think the pandemic and a lot of teams not being able to race uh, helped to get some of these cars down uh, south. But I think that uh, car counts will be just fine. Um, you don't need 45 cars a night to have a great show. Uh, you know, uh, for speed weeks, 18 to 25 is probably the perfect amount so that these cars can survive the week. Um, I don't think there'll be any problem getting that. Of course, you guys know I want as many cars as possible. But things are already looking good. Red Eye already have some surprises in the Super Lates. Um, Connor Jones, who finished runner-up in Pro Late Model World Series points last year, and Jackson Boone, who we haven't heard from for a while. Both have registered Super Lates. 
Uh, Connor Jones going to do double duty, super and pro. Jackson registered the super. Uh, and again, I kind of silently open red eye registration as well. It's kind of my downtime, my off season, if you will. So I haven't been like on the keyboard, like register, 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 but stuff starting to come in. Excitement starting to pick up. Um, of course, we'll get a lot more into this after Christmas and all that. Um, but things are looking good. Uh, I'm excited for, for red eye. I know, you know, it's not a hundred lap race anymore. It's not, you know, you can say it's not as big as it used to be or whatever. It's the first event of the year. It's always fun. It's always going to be a good time. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, went to the Auburndale Speedway this weekend to, uh, to fill in and announce their, their championship night. And, uh, the main event was a 50 lapper for the sportsman. And I think that race being on snowball weekend, it hurt the car count. There was only eight. So everybody that wants to come up to me, New Smyrna, kinking your car count. I've seen pretty bad car counts at other tracks. I, I think it's a, you can look at a lot of circumstances and each track has different things that they have to fight each week. Uh, scheduling, uh, payout, doesn't mean it's all perfect. Doesn't mean it's all, you know, right either. Um yeah, only eight sportsmen. Brandon Morris ran away with it. Wasn't happy about... Uh, Brandon Morris with the interview of the year, by the way. I think I can quote it. Uh, yeah, glad we won, but pissed off. People were beating up my shit. As he and Keith Lilly on restarts. And again, at Auburndale, little bull ring, basically flat racetrack. Uh, Keith Lilly trying to keep Morris to him so he could maybe get a jump, maybe get a break of a caution with the nose out in front and get the lead. Um, so, Yeah. A lot of contact was made at the front of the field, and Brandon Morris was not having any of it, and that's his prerogative. Uh, won the race, but if, if you didn't see the race and you talked to him afterwards and you didn't know anything about it, you'd think he finished last. Um, the pure stock race, though, holy crap, 25 pure stocks for 30 laps. Uh, they went 27. Apparently, there's a time limit at the Auburndale races, um, and this, this is not a knock on the Auburndale Speedway. Uh, this is a knock on whoever thought time limits were a good idea in racing. Get that the hell out of here. Unless you're doing a 24-hour or an endurance race, 12-hour, 6-hour. Time limits do not belong in short track racing. Um, if the people can't get their shit together and all they want to do is wreck, 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 just call the race on account of wrecks. Man, I, I was so confused because they, they had a big pileup with the leaders with three to go. and There was a lot of pileups. There's 25 cars on this little track, uh, pure stock racing. It's some of the best. I, I love pure stocks. I love super stocks. You guys know that. But there's a big pileup on a restart, and then all of a sudden, checkered flag comes out. I'm like, wait, what the hell? There's still three to go. I'm kind of glad. It was like a mercy flag, but the time limit thing just kind of sucked all the air out of the out of the racetrack, if you will, because it's just like, okay, that's the end of the night. Go home now. Um, anticlimactic way to end it, but um, <laughs> it's just, man, I'm just not a fan of time limits. Don't, don't think you need that. Uh, obviously, you know, I, I could understand a, uh, you know, okay, there's been 10 cautions in this race. You've hit your max cautions. But, you know, a time limit, if, if one guy blows a motor and there's grease all over the speedway and it takes 20 minutes to uh, to clean up and then you want to call the rest of the race off because of a time limit, I, that's not fair to those other guys. I don't like it. Um, that's just my opinion, obviously, just – not a fan. I've never been a fan of time limits, especially in short track racing. I, I get it for the endurance races. That's what, you know, th those races, that's how the event is set. It's not 30 laps or 30 minutes. It's 24 hours. Okay, if you want to do that, then that's fine. But run the laps, man. 
just run the laps. And it, there's three to go. Just finish the damn race. However, I was getting at this. Uh, there is the big pure stock race this weekend, like 1500 to win during the, uh, cars racing for a dream charity race at Auburndale. So maybe throwing the checkered flag at that point was a good idea to save some of these cars from getting destroyed so they can come back next week. So I'll, I'll see it that way. Um, the, uh, what do they call them over the scramblers? The scramblers showed up with like 18, 19 cars. They put on a good show. I think that was a race of the night. Um, kind of seen a trend with these type of cars. They, Put on a damn good show, whether you like the four cylinders or not. Um, good, good turnout. They're racing twice next weekend with the charity race, so that'll be fun. Um, mod minis were there, um, nine of them. It was a solid race. Um, uh, met uh, Chuck Frazier for the first time, and I was interviewing. He finished second in the race. Um, went down to interview him, and mid-interview, he goes, "Wait a minute, aren't you from New Smyrna?" And I was like. Yes, sir, I am. He's like, I watch your videos all the time. I love it. So I, that was a pretty cool moment down on the front straightaway at Auburndale. Um, you know, obviously people recognize me from, from New Smyrna when I walked through the pits. And it was just funny that, uh, and I had never met Chuck. He'd been out of the race car for about a year and a half. I guess he got injured. And um, uh, this was my first interaction with him. And um, definitely a guy I'll keep tabs on. Um, glad to see him back in a race car, finished second, first time out. I guess it was a last minute decision to go racing. And Pulled off a second place, so that was that was definitely fun. I, you, you know me, I love stuff like that. Um, so so that was cool, and uh, we had legends cars, mini cups. Uh, I might be forgetting something, but it was a, it was a fun race night at Auburndale Speedway. Um, it was just a day. I got to show up at the racetrack. I got to talk about the cars going in circles, and I didn't have to worry about anything. And uh, it was nice. It was refreshing, and it was fun. Um, I will be back at Auburndale this coming weekend for the. Cars Racing for a Dream uh, charity race. I've been uh, lucky enough to call the last two or three charity races, and I'll be doing it again this year. Uh, even though Rick Bristol isn't involved, I've been working with uh, Kim Naramore. She's been sending me entries, and there's a ton of pure stocks entered, good handful of trucks. Um, it, I don't think the entry lists are going to matter. The pre-entries are going to matter too much because uh, there's always going to be a big show for these for these trucks and for the pure stock scramblers race twice. Um, there's fan participation races. It's going to be a hell of a weekend. Um, I'm going to put something up on my Facebook here. It might already be up before the podcast goes. I'm not sure. It depends on workflow, but um, I'm going to put a little bit of stuff together to kind of help pump up the race. Again, it's for charity. Um, so yes, I want you guys to come out and enjoy some great racing, but I want to get people out to help the charity. Uh, Cars Racing for a Dream. They, they give all the, basically the way it works is, Yes, the racers get paid. Yes, the employees get paid. Um, normal racetrack stuff. But whatever's left over, instead of going to the racetrack, um, the folks at the Auburn Hill Speedway, they give that back to charity. And, of course, there's silent auctions and there's other things going on for the charity um, that all that money goes, instead of into somebody's pocket, it goes into, uh, it goes back to to kids. It goes back to those who need it. So this is our chance as a racing community to come together and enjoy what we love to watch, enjoy what we like to talk about, and also give back. So um, I know there's the big uh, sports and race, the fall brawl going on at Citrus. I mean, what a, what a fantastic show. It, it'll be a show. I, I know that much. There's going to be wrinkled fenders and um, upset tempers for sure after that one. Um, I may have a correspondent over at Citrus for that race. Margo might head over there. She's going to be hanging out with my mom this weekend anyway, so my mom's like 30 minutes away from Citrus, so she might go over there. I'm going to be at Auburndale 
or the charity race. Um, you know, remember the, the charity race, yes, it's pro trucks versus sportsmen. So I know you may have a preference on what you want to go see, but go somewhere, go support one of these races. Just remember the, the charity race, you're, you're doing it uh, for a good cause. Um, I hope we raise a lot of money for the charity. And I hope that Citrus has a great night. I know uh, our buddy Austin's not even going to be there. He's doing something football-related this weekend and, and going to a state championship or something. So, um, man, that's what what a crazy what a crazy year it's been with all the the reschedules. Again, the the sports race was supposed to be like two months ago, and that got pushed. Uh, originally, it was going to be Armadillo weekend, so I wasn't even going to be able to do the charity race uh, with that being canceled during uh, due to the track repairs at New Smyrna. I get to go and do another charity race and uh, always happy to help Auburndale out. They are still looking for somebody full-time over there to announce for next year. Um, I will help them out as much as I can whenever they need me. Obviously, I'll be back full-time at New Smyrna. That is my, uh, that's my baby. That's my number one. Um, so yes, if you see me announcing at another racetrack, you don't have to worry. I'll be at New Smyrna through thick and thin. Like I said in this podcast a couple months ago, um, yes, I will go through the bad times so that when the good times come around, I, you know, I'm not one of those fair weather fans getting to enjoy it. So, um, I just like to be at the racetrack guys. If, if, if there's a race going on and I can go to it, I will. If there's a race going on and I can help out on the mic, I will. Um, but man, I, I'll tell you, I, I turned down some opportunities because, I will always put New Smyrna first as far as announcing. Uh, you know, I could have went somewhere else at, for a random race last year for more money, but I'm dedicated to New Smyrna. And, and I feel like, if anything, at least when the fans come to New Smyrna, they're going to hear, you know, a familiar voice on the PA, whether they like it or not. So um, definitely uh, definitely looking forward to this weekend. I'm going to try. Hopefully, if Margo does end up at Citrus, she can give me a good recap so I can cover that next week and cover the charity race. Um, I think Becca Monopoly is going to win the charity race. She won the championship at Auburndale and New Smyrna. She's probably my favorite going in there. Bray Holmes, though, he was fast at Smyrna for Governor's Cup weekend. He'll probably be a threat. Uh, Chase King is going to be out there. Um, a, a handful of others. It, there'll be a good field of trucks. Um, you know, I would expect 15 to 20 trucks and 20 plus pure stocks. And it's going to be a fun weekend. Uh, they are racing Friday night at eight with qualifying at seven. And then, um, there is, um, racing on Saturday night. That's the charity race as well. So Auburndale racing both Friday and Saturday night this weekend, uh, Citrus County Speedway. They have the sportsman fall brawl. I think it's called 200 laps of sportsman racing. So, um, and flip a coin, end up somewhere. Um, remember, uh, everything up for charity this weekend at Auburndale. And, uh, if, if you like sportsmen, they got you covered over at Citrus with some other stuff going on there as well. Um, nothing at New Smyrna this week. Again, they are closed right now, making repairs to the wall, which is a good thing. Facility upgrades. That's good to see. Good to hear. Um, those of you disappointed about the Enduro, believe me, I'm I'm disappointed too. I've been looking to get this Buick out of the driveway. Steven's been looking to drive said Buick for months now. Um, so hopefully we get a, if anything, maybe they'll put it on, uh, before or after speed weeks or something. I, I don't know. I'm still trying to get answers. Um, as far as New Smyrna goes, schedule is supposed to come out this week from what I was just told. Um, tickets for the World Series will go on sale this Friday at noon. 
So if you want to get advanced tickets, you can do that. Um, I will start building World Series entry lists here uh, probably next week. Uh, I'll do the same with Red Eye. And yes, I, I'll put it up with with two people entered and we'll build upon it. Um, you know, maybe update it every couple of days. Because uh, I know you guys like to know who's coming. And just keep in mind that if their name's on the list and they don't show, you know, I'm not trying to false advertise. I promise I'm not trying to do that. Uh, but if, if if someone tells me they're coming and they don't show up, that's, you know, that's their prerogative. Um, but yeah, I think we're at a good spot here. Uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode again. You know, sorry for, for no interviews. Um, just trying to to keep the show going. I promise I'll, I'll get some interviews here um, as soon as we can. One last thing that I want to put out there, and I, I need some help. I want to do an award at the New Smyrna Awards Banquet. I'm actually going to do two for sure, um, one of which is going to be a surprise. Um, so you have to be at the banquet to, to see that one. But I want to do, and I feel like I should have started doing this like years ago when when this moment happened. You guys know one of my most famous quotes is, oh my goodness, when that Mustang hit the wall, you know, that's kind of parlayed into the oh my goodness moment, oh my goodness, that's like my little catchphrase, if you will, even though I hate catchphrases. Um, but every announcer's got them. Um, <laughs> I, I'm going to do the oh my goodness moment of the year award at the banquet. So I'm going to go have a little trophy made and, um, you know, going to put an upside down car on it or whatever. It'll be, it'll be a cheap little trophy. I ain't got much money, but, um, that's why I need a sponsor. Uh, but I am going to do the award. I need help on nominees. I, I don't have a, the other award I'm doing, I already have the person picked out. It's, it's solid. It's indisputable. But I need help. I need suggestions. If you listen to the end of this show, shoot me a message and let me know. Give me a suggestion for the oh my goodness moment of the year and who that driver is and who the award should go to. Let me know. I need your help with that. Got a got a little while. The awards banquet isn't until the middle of January. But uh, start thinking about that. Let me know who your nominee is and we'll pick somebody. With that said, thank you guys for listening to the Racing with Ryan podcast. Again, the numbers have been outstanding. Um, every episode in the past like two months has been like four or 5,000 clicks. So it's incredible. You people are, are definitely uh, enjoying the show and I enjoy doing it for you. And um, we'll talk to you next week. I have a, a recap of the Auburndale Speedway cars racing for a dream charity race and the fall brawl 200 over at the Citrus County Speedway. And who knows whatever else comes up. Hey, if you want to get on the show and you want to send me controversial stuff, send it to me. I'll use it. I appreciate you guys. Enjoy your week and hope to see you at the racetrack.